Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of The Small Business Surgeon. I'm going to jump right into this. I'm super excited. I want to throw a really quick shout out and huge amount of thanks to the guys over at Break Free Academy because we are having the honor of recording this episode in their studio. I managed to hook up with one of the guys from the Apex program that's flown down from New York. He is a real estate agent and he has uh, an air conditioning company as well. A very, very good example of what leading the way as an entrepreneur looks like. Welcome to the show, Brian Lewis. Hi, thanks for having me. Dude, it's been a long time coming, man. We've been trying to set this up a minute. That's it. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been in the works. <laughs> Finally coming down. So you're like a you're like an air conditioning guy and a real estate guy and, a, and an all around kind of guy. Tell us first off. Tell us a little bit about what it is you do now. What does I do now? So uh, I'm an accidental real estate agent. Um, I say that because uh, dude, I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've always bought and sold stuff. Um, my dad taught me back when I was probably like 14 years old how to buy and sell cars. Uh, oh, to, yeah. So I didn't know that about you. Yeah, that's kind of where this all came from. I never even realized it. Um, you know, I find a car with no plates in someone's driveway. I go knock on the door. What are you doing with that car? Oh, it's my old car. You know, I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. I'll give you five hundred bucks for it, whatever it was. I would take it. I would clean it up. I throw it in a paper and I'd flip it and double my money. And dude, dude, does every entrepreneur have cars in common? I think we all start with that. Yeah, don't it's we? A, it's a, you can make a lot of money on cars, you know. Dude, my first car was hundred and fifty pounds, and I cleaned it up and I sold it for like three hundred. I mean. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I used to do it all the time. I'd buy them for anywhere between 100 and 500. I'd sell them for less than a grand. That was my market. Like just junk, you know, station cars type thing. Nice. And uh, yeah, I did. I was doing like one a week, one every two weeks from 14, 15, 16, all through there. I probably did, you know, a couple hundred cars like in the, in the process. Just I'd ride my bike up to people's houses and then <laughs> I grabbed my dad and we'd throw a rope on it or whatever, you know, a chain on it, tow it home back to the house and I'd clean it all week long and throw it in a newspaper that weekend and sell it. And yeah, that's crazy. And and kinda, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. So that's, that's, so, that's where the hustle comes from, huh? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I was building a 69 Camaro at the time that I had bought for 500 bucks. It needed everything. It should have been in a junkyard. If it wasn't a 69 Camaro, it would have been in a junkyard. Uh-huh. So, uh, in order to finance that, I had to flip cars. So, uh, I had an adult built by a kid, 69 Camaro back in the day. Like, you know, most kids' cars are all chopped up and yeah, hot yeah, rotted. Yeah, yeah. This was built like my dad wouldn't let me chop it up. It was, we're going to build this like an adult car that an adult would drive, you know, <laughs> and that costs money. So Dude, uh, you see those kids going down the road right now in their, in their little cars with a huge loud exhaust on and all the stickers. And you want to be like, oh, God, these fucking kids. But you're not. You're like, you, just, you smile a little bit on the yeah. inside and you go, that, that was us. That you was know? us. That was I remember us. thinking the air filter did add an extra five horsepower yes, to yes. my car. <laughs> <laughs> the slaughter, it's faster, right? Oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we would drill holes in the intake just, yeah, yeah. just to get the sound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still do. What are you talking about? <laughs> I got the K and N on the Silverado right now. Do you, do you have, but do you have the sticker on the back window? No. See, no, sticker free doesn't count. You don't put the sticker free. on. Get the Brian Lewis Realtor sticker on the back window because you got to represent. You know. I I hear that. <laughs> I don't put any stickers on my shit. I don't want people running me off the road. Yeah, this true. Podcast. Every time I cut someone off and I got the sticker, I'm like, oh, they're gonna go on Instagram and tag me. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the worst. All right, yeah. so flipping cars, man. So that grew into um, flipping houses. Um, first house, uh, it was actually my great uncle's house house needed a bunch of work. They were selling it and I kind of got the opportunity to flip the house without buying it. 
you know, they, I think it said it was worth like 250,000 the way it was. Uh-huh. And me and my dad and a buddy of mine, my dad kind of financed it. Me and a buddy of mine basically do everything. We, we taught ourselves everything. I, I've been in construction my whole life. Um, years before that, my grandfather bought a house upstate New York. It was a farmhouse. It was abandoned from the 1800s. And uh-huh. we, my dad and uncles and grandfather and everything, every weekend as a kid, we went up there on a the weekend and just electric, plumbing, sheetrock, you name it, we did it. Um, and I learned a lot as a you know, young person to do all that stuff. So when it came time to flip houses, I had a buddy of mine that was also entrepreneur spirit and handy and me and him iron manned it. We'd leave work at four or five o'clock and we'd go work at 12, one o'clock in the morning, seven days a week, Saturday, Sunday, until it was all redone, kitchens, bathrooms, you know, everything involved in it. Dude, this, we- is, this is crazy. I, I got to stop you a minute because I started out flipping cars and then the very next thing I did in my early 20s when I got to Texas was start flipping houses. That's it. And maybe that's why we get along so well. Yeah, I didn't definitely. know either of those two things that's about funny, you yeah, yeah, like before yeah. this conversation. That's funny. You know, it's, it's, it's all the same. Buy low, sell high, you know. It's, it's no matter what it is in life, you know. It's, it's, you know. So how did that flip go? So that flip went well. Um, it was first dealing with a real estate agent. Um, hired this girl. She wanted 6%. I'm like, that's crazy, you know. Like, you know so we beat her up on the percentage. And then um, you realize that when a realtor's negotiates their percentage that easy they negotiate the deals that easy yeah Mm -hmm. so um it was on a main road we had a little trouble selling it but eventually we got it sold and we made i don't know i think we made like 100 grand so we split it three ways made 30 something thousand a piece and said all right this is cool so my dad's like all right if you want to do another one i'll finance it you guys build it so we went and bought another one and built it and bought another one and built it and we did a bunch i mean i I think the most i made was like 160,000 on one the least i made i think we made seven grand on one you know, oh man! Yeah, that was a tight one, dude. I I lost on one. Oh, about it's about my seventh or eighth one. I lost. I lost about fourteen grand. Mm. And and back then I I was twenty four or twenty five. I think fourteen grand was about <laughs> was about all I had to lose, man. It was yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, I've never lost. Lose. I've never lost on a deal since. Yeah. I'll tell you that. You know, and, and you make your money on the buyers. They always say. You know, oh yeah. yeah the yeah. ones that uh, well, the two of the ones that were real tight for me. One, uh, I taught myself if I say I think I can make money on this one. Stay out of it. <laughs> you know, and a couple of times, you know, where I've done that, that's where I've gotten myself in trouble. This was a short sale, and my idea was just to get it from short sale status to, you know, clean, sellable status. Lipstick on a pig, go in, just yeah. paint it, clean it, you know, sand the floors, paint the walls, low budget, put it back on the market and make like 30 grand. It was like, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like a one-week type flip. Never well, works. The like building that, department it? got involved. They said stuff was illegal. I had to legalize stuff, and it was a bunch of nonsense that went on, and at the end of the day, we made like seven grand. And I'm like, oh. but we made seven grand. It, Dude, it's Didn't always do much. It's always when you need a deal, like when you need a That's deal. That's was. I had nothing going like, on. I was forcing the deal. Squeeze it in yeah. the bag there. And forcing like, the deal. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, like I think I can make money. I had another one that was similar. Like, I was like, you know, I think if I do this and I do that, I can make money on it. And I made money on it, but not what I wanted to make. Like not not the risk versus reward. You'd lay a lot of money out on a yeah. flip, and you know, to make twenty, thirty grand. Dude, when, I, when I was months. a kid, and I had a little, uh, my realtor was helping him, helping me, and I, I was getting all antsy because there was nothing to buy. He's like, the deal of the century comes along about twice a month. You just got to be patient and wait yes. for it. Yes. But like if, if, if it's two weeks away and you can't see it and you've got all this money you're trying to put into a project, it, it can be very easy to jump on the wrong, uh, on the wrong house, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've learned that if that thought ever comes into my mind, I think I can make money. Walk away. <laughs> you know, it's gotta be a short thing. It's gotta be, I, I can sell this on a fire sale and make money, you know? And yeah, those absolutely. ones, those are the ones that make big money. When I walk in and go, I could just take this house tomorrow, just put it back on the market and make money without even, you know, doing yeah. anything. Just clean it out and put it right back up again. Mm-hmm. So those are the, those were the winners. Um, it was look for that built-in margin up front. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, like I said, your money's made on a buy. When you know when you're buying it, you're making money, you know. 
It's everything. It's cars. It's, it's whatever you do. It's stock. It's, it's you know, literally it's, everything. Everything you do. You make mm-hmm. your money when you buy it. You know, if you buy it right, then there's money to sell it. Completely agree. You know, so uh, so we did that. Um, I was probably doing like one and a half hours a year. Like every eight months, we do another one. My goal got down to towards the end. Uh, I haven't flipped in about probably about six years now. Life just got busy. Um, I should do more, but life's it, busy. Yeah, it does. But then when you look and like you run a flip and you make thirty grand. Well, that's a whole lot of headache to make 30, 40, 50 grand. There's a whole lot of moving parts. There's a whole lot of money. There's contractors involved. There's subcontractors involved. There's, there's all this the shit. The building apartments are getting tougher and tougher with permits, and they make you jump through hoops, and they delay the project, exactly. and you're paying, you know, you're paying for the money. If you got hard money or whatever, you're then, paying for the money. And then you look down, and you've made 30 grand. And you're like, well, shit, I could have made 30 grand by selling a couple of regular houses and just doing my day job, and then it's like, well, why am I flipping stuff? Exactly. That, if you're not making big money, it's not, it's not worth it. You, know, you watch some of these TV shows, and guys are flipping for 20, 30 grand, and uh, I don't know. It's a smaller market. You know, a lot of those markets are smaller houses. They're I think those are made houses. up. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. That's true. I think that's what that's we true. call fiction. Yeah, that's why the whole world's flipping houses and most people are losing their shirt because it's not as easy as it looks on TV. It certainly isn't. No. Yeah. But uh, so uh, that went on. Um, then when the market crashed, I guess late 2000s, uh, we had a flip. Should have made over 100000 on it, you know. And the problem was because we were Iron Man in it and we refused to hire anybody. I mean, we were doing... We were doing a tile work. We were doing. Did, a, did you have a day job when this was going yeah, on as this well? Yeah, this would work till four or five o'clock, and then drive to the house and work till twelve one o'clock in the morning, and then do it again seven days a week. You know, Saturday, Sundays, twelve hours a piece, and just just do it. You know, Dude, that's like, how, that's how you make money, man. You know. Oh, I kind of learned though. Um, one, we were burning ourselves out. I mean, oh, absolutely. Like, I just hated life. Like you know, you're making money, but it's like I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, you know, but when you're like, in like accumulation mode. Yeah, I mean, we were going for it. We were doing it, but I know you'd work hard for you know a couple months, get yeah. it done, and then. Sell it, go on the market, relax, take a couple months off with that mm-hmm. sold, get the next one in process, do it again. But, uh, you know, it was definitely backbreaking. Like, you know, like, listen, I'm working on four <laughs> hours sleep tonight. I'm breaking my back, you know, humping sheetrock in and out of the house and all mm-hmm. this other crazy stuff. And I'm like, you know. You get to so, the point where you just look and you go, you know what? Maybe I won't buy this house. Maybe yeah, I'll go yeah. do something else for a minute. Well, I got taught a lesson. Um, because we'd hold the houses for a couple of months rather than a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Yeah. Um, Gave you a chance for the market to change. Mm-hmm. So when the market was changing last time around, we had had this house too long because we were doing it ourselves. Right. We were both busy. We weren't able to work seven days a week. So, and we refused to hire anyone because it was just like, I'm not paying someone to do this. You know, like we can do this. Like, so Pennywise dollar foolish, right? Yep. So instead no of hiring a contract, knock the house out, get it back Dude, on the market. That's your time buckets, man. Yeah. It's your time buckets. The time is money, right? So, so we're carrying, we're paying taxes, carrying costs, insurance, heating, all this other stuff on on the home. And we're killing ourselves in the process. And when we finally put it on the market, we couldn't lower the price fast enough. I mean, we put it up at where we wanted it up, and like six houses came out. Like same house came down twenty thousand less, thirty thousand less, forty thousand. Oh man! And we were just dropping the price, dropping the price, dropping the price. Like like we drop it, and two more would come out twenty thousand less. We drop it twenty grand, two more would come out. It's like, man, like we're getting killed here. So uh, finally, we wound up selling a house. And I think we made about 15 grand on it, which worked out to probably about $3 an hour, you know? <laughs> so we broke our back for $3 an hour. And I said, you know what, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Like, so from that point on, I said, you know what, we're going to hire contractors. Yep. So not straight contractors. I had, you know, like uh, mom and pop guys that basically yeah, yeah, worked yeah. for me. Like I was, yeah. I was a GC. I ran the guys, you know, I, I'd hit there in the morning, I'd set them up for the day and then hit there at night and I'd leave messages on the wall with magic marker and tape and fix this and do that and move this wall and take this wall out. And, you know, 
lay it out on the thing and stop in once in a while in a day. And I do the Home Depot runs. And back yeah. in the day, Home Depot used to be open like 24 hours. So, you know, <laughs> one o'clock in the morning, I used to go to Home Depot, buy the vanities, buy the tile. I'd buy was all it the really supplies. open 24 hours? They used to be open a long I time. I don't know if it was 24, but it was definitely, I was definitely there late at night back in the day. Because <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's great. The store was empty. I can get whatever I wanted, you know. Yeah. And uh, so in the morning, you know, I'd, at night, one o'clock in the morning, I'm loading the house up with tile. I mean, it's still crazy stuff, but, you know, I was leaving a lot more to the contractors. I would yeah. do the clean up and clean up the garbage and that type of stuff and, you know, keep the maintenance going on the house. And we did that uh, for a bunch. Actually, at that point, I wound up losing um, my partner and my father in a deal, started doing it myself, uh-huh. which obviously brought the profit margin up high. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Actually, I think I did some with the contractor with them, and then at a certain point, my friend I was doing with, he actually moved like 45 minutes away. So then it got to the point where like the house was close to me and I'm working and he's 45 minutes away. Yeah. So I can't get there tonight. And typical partnership, you know, one guy wants up doing more work and it gets, you know, and then you kind of get like, you know, you get out of I, alignment. Yeah. Why am I here working? You're home with your kids, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you know, it's, it happens. I understand it. You move, you know, you live far away from this house now, yeah. but here I am stuck doing a house. So, um, so again, we kind of, you know, no hard feelings, but I like, got right, next one. I'm just going to do on my own. So, right. uh, we had, uh, I guess, actually, I think my dad was still financing them, and I was doing it on my own. Um, and then, actually, I got to the point where I did some completely on my own. And, um, you know, I learned, basically, uh, six weeks. The contract was in there. Six weeks, start to finish, is on the market. Yep. I had permits already filled out. As soon as it closed, boom, permits are in. Back in the day, we didn't use, you know, we didn't get permits back in the day. we just keep the windows closed, you know, <laughs> demo it at night, put it in the I garage. I wouldn't know a thing about yeah, that. Yeah, I wouldn't know. know a thing about I think um, the statute of limitations is expired. Yeah, yeah, that. those were a bunch of years ago, so I'm okay. I, I, learned, I learned very quickly not to leave the toilets outside. Yes, <laughs> dead giveaway. Toilet at the curb, yeah, they come knocking on the door, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you so, don't do that. Uh, you know, we always had the garage. If I had an attached garage, it was great. I demoed a whole house into the garage, and I'd yep. bring in, like, you know, one of these uh, removal companies, they'd back the dump trailer uh-huh. up and they'd shovel it out real quick on like, uh-huh. you know, a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, something like that when no one's around. And by, by the way, guys listening, we are not teaching you here how to remodel houses without permits. Okay. Please, <laughs> no. please make sure you stay fully legal and get yeah. all the necessary permits required for your, uh, for your yes, county. yes. We're not preaching that. No, I, <laughs> Uh, the, uh, as, we've all done it though as we've gotten more professional you know you kind of had to get permit it's, it's tough work and you know uh, in, you the, in the middle of the night the neighbors complaining and then it's 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 just and then they put stop work orders up and then mm-hmm. once they do that now it's like you know everything you know, they're holding it for a month and yep. they're giving teaching you a lesson and it, it just you know and it, again the world's changed you know back in the day no one cared um now you know I guess the municipalities realize they make money on this yeah, too. They, so they found an extra revenue stream. Yeah, yeah. We got no money. We're broke. So let's see if we can, you know, get some more permit fees. We'll make sure we're getting everybody and finding them and all that good stuff. Permit so. fees and speeding tickets Yeah, for your own good. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Red light <laughs> camera tickets too. That makes people stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're flipping houses, man. Tell us a little bit about, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Tell us a little bit about the AC side of things. AC side. So that's, um, see i guess it's um third generation into it um this business is um when did it start late 90s i was actually my dad's third attempt at it um so we're mainly originally we're mainly a uh tin knockers so we have uh i don't know what that means tin knocker. so uh yeah. all the duct works that are the metal duct work yeah, that's yeah, in the yeah. ceiling yeah they call the guys that make that tin knockers because you're knocking on tin putting it together right on little yeah. nickname so uh um so we're in manhattan uh union uh sheet metal contractor and we would basically work for a mechanical contractor. So a mechanical contractor would take the job from the GC, and he uh-huh. would take like all the pipe, you know, all the piping and the, and the duct work and AC units, all that type of stuff, and then they subcontract it out. So right, it's like right. a sub of a sub, which puts you at the bottom of the food chain, which isn't fun. Um, <laughs> you know, last to get paid, and you know, when, when 
there's not enough money your last day you know oh we ran out of money so you so know. you said is that working on like skyscrapers and yeah stuff? so all you know um office buildings in manhattan some cool stuff uh those of you that follow me uh online you'll see every now and then i'll put some pictures of manhattan out the window and it's it's kind of neat do you, uh, do you sell real estate in manhattan too then or what uh no i haven't actually sold in manhattan i have some referral partners in manhattan that i work with um you know what you got to work where your comfort zone is i mean i'd love to at some point but you know I got to be able to represent my buyers properly. I don't know the market you know, right, strong right. enough, so I yeah. don't feel comfortable representing someone when I'm on the market, but I'll refer yeah. it to someone I do feel comfortable with. And, Absolutely. You know, so I know they're in good hands. Um, you know, stay in your lane and do what you know how to do. Um, again, what I like to, but Manhattan's about 20 miles from where I live, which sounds short, but that could be a two hour ride with traffic, you know, That's so. Two hours? Yeah, yeah. There's been nights in a rainy, snowy, something like that night. It's two hours to get home. Wow. 20 miles, yeah. Welcome Did to New York. Yeah, you could walk that fast. Yeah, yeah, probably could, probably could, and you could take the train. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't like being cattled in the in the train. It's hard so. to carry all your tools on. The train, yeah, so. yeah. So, uh, so actually, I'm. Um, my degree is engineering. I went to Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken, New Jersey, and I have an engineering degree. When I came out of college, uh, a union sheet metal worker makes you know over a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you don't make that coming out of college. So shit, you don't make that go. podcast anymore. Yeah, either, right. <laughs> So, uh, but that doesn't go far in New York City. I mean, that's that's like you right. know, that's like uh, almost above poverty line in New York City. Everything's so expensive. So, um, well, not that bad, but it's definitely <laughs> it doesn't sound as big as it is when uh, when you got to pay what you pay in the city. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, that. so uh, you know, everything's relative. So, um, so I actually I do the AutoCAD drawings for the building. So I'll get oh wow, you know, I'll design the systems, you know, the ductwork all throughout and lay it out and make sure it fits in the ceiling around the beams and in between the lights and whatnot and coordinate that with the plumbing and the sprinklers and all that other stuff. And so I go to the job early, after it's demoed, take all the measurements, put it all on paper, you know, get it approved. We got job meetings, coordination meetings, back and forth. And it goes into fabrication and then the guys will come out to the field and install it. And uh and then you know come out to the field and just check on them and make sure everything's you know, going right on the job, project manager. So what, what are the biggest challenges you come across doing that kind of project management stuff? Um, these days, no one puts any effort into design drawing. So they give me a mechanical drawing that an engineer, another engineer would design, uh-huh. you know, like engineer of record. Right. And they put no effort into it. Like I have a job now, it's um, 320 Park Avenue, right in Manhattan. And the what they think is this yes thing that I'm tying into Looks nothing like the job. Like 72 by 16 ductwork is like 30 feet from where it's supposed to be. I'm like, and they tied into it. So now I'm trying to hook up to it, but it's 30 feet away. So now nothing works and it becomes a complete redesign. And That's crazy. Know, it's because they use a drawing from 20 or 30 years ago that they found me while well, the space has been renovated since and they didn't update the drawings and they never go and look in the ceiling to see if it's actually what's there. It's crazy. I know some project managers that that would literally have them just walking down there and beating people with sticks yeah yeah but you know what it just everyone accepts it and everyone accepts it so yeah it's uh no one wants to upset the client no one wants to to upset the you know the higher up so we have a meeting in the field so this one some of the engineers are really pompous and they're like listen you know i'm not wrong just make it work and i'm like bro (laughs) like if you come out to the field that we can you know i'll try and make you not look as bad you know your crappy design drawings and so this engineer was great. He came out to the field. Like, right away, I'm like, oh, we have problems. You got to get out here. So we had a field meeting. He came out. And he's like, wow. Like, you're right. <laughs> this is bad. So we actually uh, basically held his hand and said, all right, what if we do this? What if we move this here? What if we put that there? We'll save this. We'll move that over. And basically came up with a game plan. And then we drew it all up and submitted it. And now, actually, uh, Monday, when I get back, we have a meeting to finalize a couple things that just 
I can't be fixed. Like we need to design because it's like, you know, I can't get there from here. You know, you're trying to tie into that duck and there's beams in the way. Right. And right. I can't get under the beam past the ceiling, you know? So there's a couple of things we got to work out Monday. So as soon as we get back to the city, Monday morning, we'll be there's in. There's all stuff I would never even like imagine would exist. You have a set of plans. They're drawn right. You plug one, column A into column B and off you go. Never, never. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah it's uh, it's a wonder anything ever gets built. Yeah. You know, and it, I hate to say it. Um, no one takes pride in their work anymore. Um, and I guess it's anything, um, you know, they spit these drawings out, like, again, like, you know, fast track jobs, that, that term fast track, yeah. fast track means we don't care. We're going to put whatever crap out there. Cause it's fast. You know, we didn't put the effort. We didn't put the time in, which is fast, which, yeah, but that, you know, the, the, the speed on the front end fucks up the back. Exactly. It slows exactly. everything down. It's, so. it, it's just yeah. a messed up process. We used to sit down and have coordination meetings and begin a job where all the trades would coordinate and say, okay. I'm going to go here. You're going to go there. We're going to, you're going to go first. I'm going to go after you. And like, everyone would respect each other. Now it's a free for all first one in wins. Like you get there and you know, someone's got their pipe in the way. Like, Oh, sorry. My pipe's there first. Yeah. Oh man. But we drive the job because we have the biggest, you know, stuff in the ceiling. So, right. you know, we generally push everybody out of the way, but you know, I'm going to put this, this line up and there's a pipe there. Now I got to wait for the guy to come drain the pipe down, move the pipe, slows me down. You know, it's just nonsense. Yeah. On top yeah. of that deliveries, usually in these buildings, you got to deliver before, you know, you know, seven, six a.m., five a.m. A lot of times, four or five a.m. We do deliveries to get into the building before, um, you know, before the people get there. Before the downtown wakes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a lot of these buildings, um, they don't let you back in the loading docks anymore because they're worried about you going to bomb in the building, that type of stuff. So they make you unload in the street and walk the stuff in. But then it's usually a no standing zone in the street. So the minute you're unloading a truck, the traffic agent comes out, gives a hundred and twenty dollar ticket on your truck for you know no standing and while you're unloading the truck. Um, then we are in the building. Um, they usually have no noise after eight o'clock. So, you know, we drill into the concrete to hang the ductwork yeah. with hammer guns. And so now you got to lay out the whole job the night before and then go in that morning, you know, 6am and drill for two hours straight, just drill holes and then hope that you didn't miss anything because now when you go <laughs> to put the ductwork up or it's the wrong place or something, now you're stuck. You can't put that up till the next day. I'll take you a long time. With it, the hand drills kind yeah. Of and then on top of that, um, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's just over the top. The OSHA requirements and all this other stuff that are coming into play. The insurance is just out of hand. I mean, it's just out of hand. In New York City, is a is a law. Basically, if you fall off a ladder for any reason, you could be drunk and fall off the ladder. You're uh -huh. getting paid. The, the attorneys, you know, you're getting paid. So, like, if anything happens on a job site, you fall off a ladder, you get paid. Oh, like, top tip. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. So looks uh, like we're going to New York. Then. So because of that, the insurance is sky high. I, I mean, bet. I yeah. mean, you're working half the year just to pay the insurance company. You know, it's nuts. So it, the market's really gotten tough um, in that world, uh, in the commercial world. And then, you know, and dealing with, you know, unions that keep getting raises and keep getting raises and pricing themselves out of the market. So what happened is another, they call it a scab union or whatever. Uh, uh, so they have the building trades union, which is like the top tier union. And then there's uh -huh. this kind of lower uh, union that, you know, it's probably half the wages and they come in and they, basically do the same job you know you get what you pay for a little bit but they've come a long way so now you can so when it gets really busy and there's not enough union contractors the uh -huh. smaller contractors get bigger and then when it slows down again who's going to pay they get used to paying the lower wages right. and the job's all right maybe not as good but it's close enough for right. the amount of money savings and you know now you can shift it out of the market you're getting priced out because someone else can do it and then and back in the day, unions had, you know, they had tons of power. They light your truck on fire. They'd come in and, you know, you'd put your, your duck up and come back yeah. the next morning. They'd cut it all down and all, all your duck work be on the floor. I mean, it was, you know, it was some bad stuff that we used to go on back in the day. And yeah. now with cameras and all this other stuff, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. Dude, that, that happened on a job I was on in, um, oh, shit, it was somewhere in Missouri. I forget the town. And we were doing some contracting for Walmarts. And I was in my very, very early 20s. 
And um, they did. They came in and they torched two of the contractors' trucks because we were non-union. It was a union town. I mean, it was crazy. It was mm-hmm. some of the stuff these went back. I was crazy. And I mean, like thirty-five hundred dualies, like yeah. big fucking yeah. expensive it was like Wild trucks. West, just yeah, just them. like yep, yeah, yep. you know, guys <laughs> pulling guns on each other. I mean, all kinds of stories you hear back in the day from the old timers. I mean, well, I see it on the on like the 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 movies, like like because my I've been to New York several times, but. Like my New York experience comes through movies there, without putting yourself in any danger. I mean, are there really guys like Fat Tony that'll just like sit there and, and send out people to sort folks out? Like, um, I mean, I don't know how much is it real and not real. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, all that stuff kind of, you know, I guess some of it was real, but I mean, it doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, like I said, yeah, the cameras between cameras and just you know, it, you can't pull that stuff off anymore. It, probably the cameras is the biggest you just thing. Pull Social out media, your cell phone, yeah. Like, right, I mean, okay. you, you know, every, you, you can't get away with anything these days. You know, there's a stationary camera, there's a cell phone camera. Someone's going to see you doing it somewhere. Um, you know, it's so. I think that's probably why a lot of that stuff, you know, doesn't happen anymore. You know, it, you know, you can't get away with it anymore. So, so is like, is 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 this kind of change in the commercial world the development world that you're in is that what's pushed you back towards real estate sales then or how did so, that happen yeah so um um so back to the flipping uh, yeah. i had a friend of mine uh that was a real estate agent um she would find them for me all right i got this estate sale just came out i'd get the offer accepted like the first day it hit the market mm-hmm. i'd renovate it and then she'd sell it so real estate agents dream you get you know every house you sell you get paid twice yeah so i mean double ended yeah so she would look out for me and say all right another one just came up and you know, listed, sell it, listed, sell it. Well, yeah. you know, so we were doing good together. It was one after another. I found a couple on my own, but most of them came through her. And yeah, probably about six years ago, she kind of started flipping on her own because she realized that I could do this. <laughs> I'm just hiring a contractor yeah. and, yeah. Um, you know, and she's smart and she knows what she's doing and, and no hard feelings. God bless her. I mean, we're still friends to this day. Um, she taught me how to sell real estate. Um, in the process because I was at every open house. I was, I just never got my license because it's like conflict of interest. Like yeah. I'm not going to go try and outsell her. And seven, for us, it's only a 75 hour course. So, but still 75 hours to sit at school <laughs> was like, um, you that, know. that is not very many educational hours. No, um, no. I think, I think Texas was 270. Yeah. And then yeah. I had to do for my two year renewal, I had to do another 198. Wow. Just for the renewal. Wow, we got to do 22 and a half every two years. Dude, I'm up for my four-year renewal. <clears throat> I've already got some CE. I've got to do like 12 hours. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a bad thing because, I mean, there's a lot of unprofessional people out there, which in a well, in the selling like, world has made me excel because it's, listen, I just do it the right way and it works, you know. It's it's not like they don't try, though. It's just like they just don't know. They don't know. The correct use of the word ignorant. Mm, yeah, you know, they, yeah. They are ignorant of and, and anybody that sells real estate has a background in life that could be from any walk of life. Yeah, yeah. You just happened to get into real estate because you'd been in real estate for 20 years already. Yeah, I was already doing it, you know, and in the contracting side is great because I can look at a house and I can mm-hmm. say, uh, all right, the kitchen's too small. We'll take this wall down. What's that going to cost? I can quote them prices roughly on, you know, on the spot. Like, right, oh, that's going right. to cost this, you know, that's two grand. That's 1500, you know, sand the floors will paint, you know, and, um, so I basically give them a budget of, all right, so why don't you want to buy the house? And they'll say the wallpaper, the rugs, the yeah. kitchen's too small. Yeah. And I go, all right, so it's going to cost 30 grand to do everything you said. Let's put an offer in. They're like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. So rather than walking away from the house, we sell them the house. I bring, I've actually brought contractors to open houses. Say, what are you doing right now? Good, come buy this house. Give them a price. And then it <laughs> works for them because as soon as they sell the house, you know, as soon as they close on the house, the guy's in there doing the work. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, uh, so they'll come and quote me on the spot because they know, you know, there's a good shot. They're going to get the job. 
and it was based on that. But um, yeah, so about six years ago, uh, my friend started flipping on her own, and um, I had done like one more by myself, and I had found it on my own. I got it through uh, an attorney friend of mine who was in the state, and he knew I was into it, and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I got a state coming up. The house needs everything. They don't want to do anything to it. As is, come buy it. So I went and bought it, and then she had actually, you know, helped me sell it, and that was the last one I did, and that was probably about five years ago. So, um, obviously the market has been a little dicey and stuff going yeah. on. So, uh, I got, you know, add to the story, I got six kids from three and a half to 13 and a half. So that keeps me busy. So yeah, yeah. I need to get cut. Yeah. <laughs> New TV. Yeah. 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 Sam just did the clipper sign to six me. Six yeah. kids, yeah. man. That's, that's some yeah, ambition. Yeah, right yeah. You know, I always said I drink too much and it sounded like a good idea at the time, you know, but, uh, but nah, you know, I love you, my kids. <laughs> you, you won't be lonely in your, your old yeah, age. No, There'll always be somebody to push your wheelchair. No, they're awesome. You? I love my kids. Uh, there's so much life in my house. It's, uh, it's fun. I bet. It's man. fun. It's, uh, definitely. So, um, yeah, so we, uh, I was kind of debating. I always said, should I get my license? This and that. It was snowing one day. It's like January, like nasty day out, you know, doldrums of winter, like just like yeah. after the holidays, you have that dead time. You wait, uh-huh. well, you guys, it's nice here all the time up in New York, <laughs> you know, it's crap between like, you know, the build up the Christmas ain't bad. You have the holidays and you're kind of busy with all that stuff. And there's parties. You don't realize the, the weather sucks. The lights and the snow kind of set things up. Yeah. Know? And then January, February, March happens and it's just like cold and wet and, you know, nasty. And it's like, I oh, was just going to exist for and these three months the, until it gets nice. Y'all have the, the further north. So you get less daylight, right? What times, uh, what times it get bit. dark where you're at? Um, obviously, depending on the season, on the season but mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be dark at 5 o'clock. You know? See, that's yeah. just miserable. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's like it's where tough. I grew up. It, it got dark at 4.30, 5 yeah. o'clock. And, and now down here, you get you get longer longer days, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a different different feeling being down here. It's, uh, you know, it, it's a, those, that's really the toughest time. But I always talk about, like, you got you to gotta have rainy days to have sunny days. That's something I've talked about in my yeah. morning speeches. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I went to Hawaii and... Uh, was on one of those catamaran cruise to nowhere type things and uh, talking to a girl in a boat deckhand and she's like, oh, I'm from New Jersey. I'm like, oh, wow, it's got to be awesome to live here. It's perfect every day. And she goes, actually, it gets kind of depressing. I go, living in Hawaii is depressing? She goes, there's nothing to look forward to. Because back at home, when you have a nasty winter, you have a nasty rainy day and the sun comes out and it's a beautiful sunny day, you appreciate it. And I was actually, it's kind of a neat outlook. Like, and I, I got parallel to life in one of my morning, uh, my morning lives was that, uh, you know, you need the bad times to really appreciate the good times and, and you need to grow in those bad times. And so that, you know, yeah, you're ready no, for the good times. So a parallel to life there. And, and that story, it actually it doesn't kinda, rain. You never appreciate the sunshine. It's true. You? Right. Like, so, so what it's sunny out. So what, you know, <laughs> but when it's, you know, 10 degrees and you're frozen and then, you know, three months later, the sun's coming out and it's warm out. And you're like, wow, this is awesome. Like, I, you know, I totally get that. You know, you know, and it's saying you look at life, right? You have bad times in life when you hated life. And then all of a sudden you're like, today's awesome. This is great. I'm happy to be alive. You know, and, you know, you have your ups and downs, your apexes as we. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue there. Well yeah, done. Yeah, nice apexes. So, so I want to, I want to touch on your morning stuff here in a little bit. I want to just go back to your real estate journey for just a second. Yeah. So we jumped so, in. Um, first year agent, man. Yeah. So I got my license. Um, really funny story. I went in uh, Hofstra University College. They put, sent this mailer out. I saw it. It was a Sunday night. The class started on Monday. My wife's like, stop freaking talking about it. You've been talking about it for years. Just go do it. It's nasty out. Just do it. And I'm yeah. like, all right. 75 so, hours. 75 so hours. It was off. four days a week, um, 630 to 930. So leaving mm-hmm. work, going straight yeah. there, doing it. But middle of winter. So you didn't really care. It was dark. It was nasty. So I go into the course. I meet this guy, Joe Sonona, who's um, actually my partner's now at EXP. And um, he, uh, we start talking. I'm like, I'm getting my license to flip houses. So we talked for a couple of minutes and he's like, you're going to sell. 
I go, no, I don't want to work weekends. That's why one of the reasons I never I said, I don't want to do open house on weekends. I don't like, I like my weekends. I don't want to give up weekends. I'm just doing this so that I can get inside track on yeah. flipping. And when I sell, I don't got to you know, worry about paying commissions. I'll keep more in my pocket. Mm-hmm. He goes, you're going to sell. I'm like, all right, we'll see. So take the course. I had done it all. I, I didn't have to study. I, I knew the whole thing. Like, you know, and Joe saw that in me and we really hit it off. So we stayed in touch after the course and got my license and started selling. And, uh, you know, Facebook friends these days, social media, you know, yeah, you kind of yeah. keep in touch with each other. And first year I sold like, uh, I think I sold five houses. I got my license like the end, I think it was like April 29th, but four, you, four years ago. You were still doing your day job, right? You still were, doing a day yeah, job, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so now here I am, you know, I hooked up the local mom and pop realtor in town, Newman Realty, uh, Leon Sanchez, great guy. Um, I had known him from the community, from selling my flip houses and right, stuff. Right. And then I went into him and he's like, yeah, I'd be happy for you to work here, you know. Um, gave me a little bit better split than uh, off the street because he kind of knew, you know, I kind of knew the business. And, uh, you know, he's great. He, he got me, got me started and, you know, so he's like, you know, here's a house, go do an open house. Good luck, you know, <laughs> sink or swim, you know? And, and, uh, you know, so I did some open houses. I got some leads next you know, you know, I got, I think I closed five houses that year. How, how big is your marketplace up there? Um, well, you know, I sell all over Long Island. I mean, the town I'm in is one square mile. Like, oh wow. Okay. So, I mean, that's it. But I mean, it's, you know, you're not trapped in that town. It's, it's, right. you know, just drive down the block in the next town. So, um, so I, I sell pretty much all it's southwestern Nassau County is kind of so if you're looking at the fish of Long Island uh-huh. it's kind of like where the back of the mouth would be <laughs> <laughs> it's uh close to the city we're about 20 miles out of Manhattan and then like I said obviously you go out to the east end Montauk and the Hamptons all the, the yeah. tail of the fish so um and I've sold uh farthest out I've sold is uh Corum which is maybe about halfway to the Hamptons type thing um you know been all over I, as I grow now and as I have people that are moving from you know, there's a big People move from the city to Nassau County and then from Nassau County out to Suffolk County. It's kind of the progression. Yeah. As, as yeah. you want to get more country and you want to get more property, you want to get bigger houses. Um, if you don't, especially with the pandemic now, people don't need to commute to the city because they work remote. They right. move all over. Right. So, uh, yeah, so the first year I did about five houses. Then I did like a dozen houses. And then like, I don't know, third year, I think I did 22, something like that, you know, in that, in that range. And then this year, um, I don't know where I at. Um, I'm at like 24 deals so far this year myself personally. Yeah, that's great. Man. That's <laughs> and then great. I started a um, I started a team, and so altogether, actually we're about 20 million in sales for the year. Me and the team, mostly me. Um, you know, halfway through the year is not too bad. So yeah, so this became like a real business for me, and um, it's taking over. You know my my day job, you know, it's, uh, it's taken a lot of time and effort. Um, and, um, about two years ago, um, I started with EXP, which is a whole different model. Yeah. yeah. And that allowed me, so I, I left the mom and pop, which was great, you know, no hard feelings. You know, basically I went in and asked him for a crazy split on commission. He's like, yeah, no way. I was like, all right, I gotta go, you know? And, uh, and I'm glad I did. I mean, it was, you know, it's kind of, I was comfortable there and it was felt like family there. So right. it's kind of hard to leave that and go out on yeah, your own. Is, but you know, I'm like, I'm looking at the, the splits and I'm like, listen, I can make a lot more money selling the same amount of properties if I just make this move. And that allowed me opportunity to start the team, which yeah. as a team, you act as a broker, you know, and, you know, I coach my team. There are a lot of new agents, um, sent them to my friend Joe to get their license, just like I did. And you know, they're influential in the community. That's why I brought them on board. They said they, they had interest in their license. Go get your license. Mm-hmm. I coach them and they do it. The ones that listen and, and want to be trained, you know, they do good. You know, some of them, they refuse to listen and they're not doing good. And 
you know, that's just the nature of people. But you found community influences and yeah, so turned them at, into real estate. I agents. looked at, you know, um, so my top agent is, uh, is my friend Dawn. Uh, you know, she's involved in the PTA. Mm-hmm. She's the head of purchasing for a hospital in the area. So everything that that hospital buys, she's in charge of. So everyone in the hospital knows her. So everyone right. in that whole hospital system that needs to buy or sell a house knows Dawn. That um, makes a lot of sense. You know, you think about it. So, you know, I call my uh, my real estate, uh, you know, uh, real real estate built on relationships. So my logo is uh, BLR Brian Lewis Realtor on top of an R. It's it's you know it's it's yeah it's the house built on on the R the relationships because in life, um, I don't do cold calling. I don't knock doors. Mm-hmm. I don't do any. I don't do any. You know, funnels. I don't do anything. I just relationships. My just, whole business is sphere of influence. They call yeah. all the people I know. A big volunteer. Uh, I'm part of a. I help run a nonprofit farm. I'm on a uh, board of directors for that. Uh, I'm a the deputy inspector of the Malvern Reserve Police, which is a police auxiliary volunteer. Uh-huh. Twenty four years into that, uh, I've always been involved in the community. There's, just because I like to help give back, and as by nature, there's and, so there's so many ways to sell real estate that when you come into it, you're taught about the advertising, you're taught about the marketing, and you're taught to spend money on this and spend money on that, but it's funny. Our stories are so similar because I sell real estate the exact same way as you yeah, do yeah. by being a, a, a pin inside of the community yeah. and by helping connect people and helping network. So I've always been a stuff. connector, you know, before real estate. Yeah, you listen, oh, I need I need an electrician. Oh, yeah. you know, use Jim. Oh, I need a plumber. I use Chris. You know, well, it's then, like what happens is when 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 Dave comes to me and says, hey, I need a plumber and I recommend Steve the plumber, then Dave feels like a debt of gratitude to me. And Steve feels a debt of gratitude yep. to me. So by helping two people, I get two credits yeah. in the gratitude bank. Exactly, exactly. And if you work with the right people that you know that that you know that that actually care, you know, that aren't takers and then like to give and take, you know, then when they're in someone's house and they're fixing the plumbing because uh-huh. hey, so we got to fix this toilet, we're getting ready to sell the house. Oh, you got to talk to Brian. Exactly. And that's how you know that's how my my circle my my we talk about Apex Group. I have an Apex Group at home before I even joined Apex. Right. We've always done this, you know, mm-hmm. in our circle. We look out for each other and, you know, oh, I sort of uh, sort of a bunch of garbage at the curb, you know, it looks like they're cleaning the house up, you know, we'll find out who owns it and I, I find someone in the community and I'm like, oh, listen, here's my card. I'm happy to help you. And like I said, attorneys in town, a bunch yep. of attorneys and, you know, refer me stuff. Listen, you know, I have an estate here. They don't know what to do. All right. I'll help them get it cleaned out. I'll help them get it painted. And, you know, Benny's here with me. Uh, Benny will go in and paint it and we'll sand the floors and we'll do all that stuff and get it ready to sell for them. And I, I call myself full service. I just give it to me. I, right. I flip houses. I, like, you know, if you want to put money into it, we'll double your money. Like whatever you put into it, I guarantee I'll double it. You want to put twenty grand, clean it up. I guarantee it'll get you another twenty back. Right. Minimum. I mean, yeah. we know that. You know, you take an ugly house and just clean it up, paint it, and sand the floors. You know, that money's well spent. That's how it is, though. You know, you know, and then other people will say, you know what, just walk away. Yep. You know, and I, then I'll, you know, I'll get it cleaned out. I'll call the, you know, the guy junk guys or whatever, and they'll come in and, you know, empty it out and get it ready. And but I said, you know. I don't want you to lift a finger. I have I have the process in place. I've done it for myself. Dude, you know our our, our junk guys, right? <laughs> One of them had the most amazing fucking idea. I'm sorry, I got to break off from your story. Yeah, it. He gets paid to clean junk out of houses, right? <clears throat> and then he went and bought a few shipping containers, st- st- like stacked them all together, lined them with uh, plywood, and then painted them with neon paint and shit, and put a big sign out front saying "Break Room." come and break stuff and he's got little crates and he charges 40 50 bucks a crate for people to just swing at shit with baseball bats and smash plates and hit stuff with golf clubs and blow up tvs and he's getting paid to take it out of people's houses as a junk removal guy 
and he's, they're getting more money than he could ever sell it for just by letting people smash it. That's dude. awesome. And That's <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. So there's a business model for anybody that likes smashing shit up. I used to do that. So my friend there was a real estate agent. She'd call me like the day before closing, be like, I got a closing tomorrow and the house is still full of furniture and panicking. Uh-huh. Like, like you got it, you know, can you come over? So I grabbed one of my buddies, you know, usually for a couple of beers, you'd get away with, you know, making someone hump furniture down the stairs for you. I'd bring it <laughs> home. I'd put it in my driveway, I'd dump it on Craigslist. So I'd charge yeah. her 500 bucks to clean the house out. I put all my driveway under a tarp. I'd throw it all on Craigslist for cheap, like, you know, hundred dollars yeah. a piece, $50 mm-hmm. a piece. And I'd make another grand selling the junk that I got paid to remove. So yeah. like, you know, entrepreneurial spirit, you know, I, I like that. You know, I would. I used to pull stuff out of the garbage all that. So a friend of mine's a police officer and he'd be out on night patrol on garbage night and he knew what I did. He'd be like, yo, there's, there's a wood chipper out of the curb. There's, there's a lawnmower. There's a snowblower out of the curb. Um, and we'd, uh, we'd go pick the stuff up. I, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, snowblowers and stuff like that, the is nasty. So you take the carburetor, clean it up with fresh yeah. gas and it fires up. Boom. You know, next weekend I got a hundred bucks for it. You know, it's like a hobby thing. And then, you know, it's spending money for me. And I've always done that. Yeah. It was actually one night. It was a, there was an old barber chair out and my buddy wanted it. And he was on duty, and I won't name any names. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so he's like, yo, this barber chair out the curb, you got to go get it for me. And I'm like, all right. I go there. This thing was like porcelain. It weighed like 500 pounds. I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't get it in the truck. I, I tried. I'm like, yo, I can't get it in the truck. So he's like, uh, he's like, all right, what are we going to do? He's like, I'm in uniform. I can't like, you know, in police <laughs> uniform help you. And I'm like, I'm like um, I got a jacket in my truck. So I said, walk the car down the block, like in the, in the, the train station parking lot. <laughs> I'm going to pick you up, throw the jacket on, run up the block with me, throw it in a truck, and then we'll, you know, then we'll go get out of here. So right. here we are, like, you know, he's throwing a jacket on, running down the block, throw this thing in the truck, and run back to the car. I was like, all right, anyone see us? No, okay, good. <laughs> it's crazy. But we used to get all kinds of good stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's, buying and selling's always been my blood. But that's just the entrepreneurial spirit, isn't it? Finding something, yeah, yeah. putting a little spit polish on it, and just getting just rid of it, it for you know, more than you know? just Yeah, it's just, and it's fun. I enjoyed it. And I never realized I was into sales, like, just what I did. Like, you right. know, so when it became time to get my real estate license and, and, and flip and sell and all this other stuff, um, it just kind of really came natural, you know? And again, I, I tend to be a people person. Actually, I would say by nature, originally I was introverted. I was the nerdy kid growing up and, you know, kind of went on to play my Legos and really, you know, I was the oldest of, of three, I got three young, two younger sisters. And, um, this kind of getting out of my comfort zone stuff. It was, uh, a new one. One of the things that helped when, uh, when I went to college, I ended up kind of going down the engineer management road and public speaking was something they made you do. They made you do oh, presentations wow. because their thought was most engineers can punch numbers, sit at the computer, but they can't talk to the clients. That's true. And yeah. if you're anyone good within five years, you need to talk to clients. You mm-hmm. need to run the other staff. You know, if you're anyone right. good, you're going to excel. You're going to move up. Yeah. And at that point, you're not going to know how to do a presentation. You're not going to know how to talk to clients. You're not going to know any of that stuff. So they basically trained you that fast track you to management where obviously you can make more money and, and move up the ladder. And, uh, because of that, it got me out of my comfort zone where now I can stand up in front of a room and, well, yeah. you know, they used to count the ums, which I'm horrible with. I, I, I yell <laughs> in the morning, like, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I go to that all the time. So, but they literally count the ums and like you said, um, 53 times. I'm like, Yes, um, you know, yeah, like, you know, sorry. But whatever it is, what it is. But you get it's better like, at it. It's like anything. Nobody's born a perfect orator. You know, you, yeah. you gotta you gotta learn and practice it. And, and yeah, it's fun. Even more, like even with my lives in the morning, are getting better. So I'm 66 days into my live every morning. So we'll, we'll get yeah. into that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. we'll get to that in a minute then. Yeah. Yeah. We'll <laughs> keep going. We'll keep going. So uh, at this point, um, I think I looked. I think uh, I'm listing my 90th house in four years. That's so as, really well so as a part, well, lease and lease and sell, you know, lease sell, um, you know, purchase for, for buyers, listings what? and leasing. Um, what is it? Small that, parts leasing. 
and, and what is it that attracts you to the sell side? Because, you know, for, for me, as, as a real estate agent, I, th- I feel as though my job is to stand between the client and the stress of the deal. Mm. My job is to absorb all that stress, is to do everything the client really doesn't know that I'm doing, yes. and to keep the wheels moving, and yes. to take care of that client, take the stress off their shoulders. 100%. I always tell them, let me, let me handle it. Just let right. me handle it. You know. So for me to build a successful company and put a bunch of listings out and everything else, it was incredibly stressful because I'm absorbing their stress and it's becoming my yes. stress. Yes. And one day I sat down and had a look and I said, well, what's been the most joyous moments that I've had in real estate? And every single one of them tied back to a buyer. Yeah. And buyers are fun. Right. Buyers because fun. when, in my opinion, when you're selling real estate, it's off, often, not always, but often the closing of a chapter. Yes. It's something that we need to sell this house because there's a divorce, there's been a death, it's an estate, it's yeah, a yeah. probate, there's, we need to downsize. Moving out of town, it's, job yeah. relocation, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult often, process. It's usually. not something they want to do. Yes. Now, there, there is the exceptions to that rule where they want to sell it because they're getting the bigger house. Yeah, that's great. And that's, that's great. tough too because that, that sell buy in this market is a really hard deal. If, right. if they need the money out of this one to get to that one, no one's yeah. waiting for them to sell their house. So. Uh-huh. No. I've done it a couple of times and I got some strategies for that, but it's, it's tough so every time. What, what I focused on, um, and it, it changed my business completely and it, it changed me wanting to go to work and not because, hey, you know, summer, a couple of summers ago, I had 19 fucking listings at once. And I was just run ragged trying to make everybody happy and absorb all that stress from the clients. And my joy came from when I was, and, and I don't do the whole fucking take pictures oh we closed today and here's no, the that's keys me. I'm a ham. yeah but people started doing it anyway they started yeah. hey get a selfie with me and i'm like really you want that and they're yeah. there with their new keys and their joy and yeah. they're they're like i'm like wait a minute this is like this is 100%, 100%. great this is wonderful so i'm now i'm probably about 65 percent by side wow. which is weird because when i set my business up i was told the agent that lists is the agent that lasts and now I, you know what listings are a short thing you know you list it you're getting paid you know yeah. buyers you know they change their mind they'll mm-hmm. go to another agent man i really haven't lost anyone to another agent because i, I, I build that relationship yeah. you know um the ones i've lost to another agent you know i talked to him once and my fault didn't call the leads from Drew B. <laughs> and you know you, get busy. you know when you, you're working with trying to work with 10 buyers and yeah. there's only so much time in a day like you know so the ones that are more aggressive with me Kind of, yeah. you know, when they're calling you every day, they're the ones that kind of take they the get focus. More attention, yeah, you know, they get sure. more attention. You know, the ones that are kind of casually looking, you know, they, they, you know, the yeah. leads don't get called as much. You know, that uh, makes sense. And um, so the listing side, you know, you put it up and it sells. And no, then, not, yeah, not always though. I mean, in this market, well, yeah. if you put the landscape in it, it'll sell. <laughs> Zip it. <laughs> no, in so. in this in this market, yes, you put it up, it sells. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not so much in the past. It was hard. Yeah, you know. Uh, and then you've got the like you've got the expectation of the sale. You've got a six month listing contract. You've got the expense of the photography, the videography, the Matterport. Yeah. You've got the expense of the marketing. Yes. And in the buyer side, I don't have any of that. Yeah. yeah, you know, we just like, hey, you like this house? Yeah, all right, sweet, let's buy it. Yeah, yeah. well, kind of. <laughs> but on the sell side, especially when the market's normal, and you've got a um, hundred and twenty to a hundred and fifty day market cycle you don't now like right now the last two things i've listed have gone under First contracts house, yeah. like with, within one when i didn't even get the fucking sign in the yard of the last one like a guy walked down the street like and said i want it yeah. um and and that's just unprecedented that's not normal yeah so yeah. for me in normal 
real estate business, I much prefer the buyer side. Yeah. I, so much less risk or fin be, financially. Because of my time constraints, because I still, you know, have the full-time job. I've actually kind of gone down to like three days a week in the full-time. It, it's hit or miss. If there's a project coming in and I got a deadline, I yeah. got to put the hours yeah, in. Sure. But if I'm in between projects, I can back off a little bit. And it kind of, you know, I've talked to dad about it and kind of like, you know, he sees me excelling in this and, you know, he wants to retire. My sister's actually into the business now and stuff, but... You know, I look at, you know, say we work on like a 10% profit margin. We got to lay out $900,000 to make 100000 That risk versus yeah, reward there that's, is, that's is a huge amount of capital. Huge amount of capital, you know. So you're like, you know, do I really want to do this? And I've been there when dad's mortgaged the house to, to pay payroll. Uh -huh. you know, yeah. I don't want to mortgage my house to make payroll when the times go bad. Now, you hope that you run a business. Again, this is a third try in and third, third yeah. try is a charm. And he figured out, you know. So it only costs a million dollars to get a million dollar education. You know, it, it it's, does though. You know, he's been you know, bankrupt and all this other stuff. I mean, I, we went from highs and lows to, you know, tons of money, new cars, new boats, uh -huh. this and the other thing to, you know, bill collectors calling and you can't put that, food on the table. That and sounds then, really familiar. Dude. You know, and then, <laughs> and then he'll build it up again and, yep. you know, back to, and you, you don't learn, you know, times are good. Money's coming and we're going to yep. get a new Cadillac and we're going to get a new pickup truck. We'll get a new van. We'll get a new, you know, box truck and we're going to buy new equipment and you got all these bills. And as long uh -huh. as the money's coming in, the bills are great. And the money yep. stops coming in and you get strangled. Yep. You know, Dude, you're a thousand percent right. It happens to all of us. You know, that's why we do the podcast. And right? it's life lessons, right? So over leveraging ourselves. Yeah. Right. I mean, I did it in real estate myself. You think I would learn at this point in my life, I'm trying to keep my bills. You know, if I can't buy cash, I ain't buying it. I don't, I don't run credit mm -hmm. cards. Actually, I just, for the first time in like three years, started using my credit card again to start doing Apex here because yeah. as you travel on a credit card, it's easier. I would just, I have a debit card. I push a couple hundred dollars at a time on it. Mm -hmm. And that was my credit card because I had tons of credit card debt because yep. I would put all the flip house monies on credit, uh, you know, on credit uh -huh. cards. I get the points. But then there was times when I sold the house and I didn't pay the card off. And, it can, enough, you know, yeah. and then it's just like, you know, I used that money to, to do something else instead uh -huh. of pay the cards. Next thing you know, I'm carrying these crazy balances and whatnot and you know and then times get bad and you know did like we've all been there though it's just like we've all done this journey and i said what's one of the things i've learned in the process is it's just pay cash you know, it's a dave ramsey thing you know if you can't pay pay cash for it you know i i try and pay cash for absolutely everything with the exception yeah. of my yeah. truck and my flip houses yeah. I, everything's yeah. cash i mean it's it's just you know if times get bad you know mm -hmm. you don't get strangled and exactly. I, I watched i watched dad get strangled twice from the overhead of when you know times are good you build it up and you you buy companies he's he's, he's mm -hmm. bought a bunch of this company now we've bought a bunch of smaller yeah air conditioning companies it's funny so through our vendors it kind of became a thing the guys that are late on their their you know bills for paying for materials and stuff right, like right. that they're in trouble right yeah. so we kind of put the word out to our vendors you know a little way to buy stuff anyone that's not paying their bills have them call us we're buying companies yeah so we started buying a bunch of small air conditioning companies, mom and pop type things where the guy didn't know what he was doing. Um, you know, well, you can be great at installing air conditioners. Yeah. But running a business. Terrible at running exactly. Business, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and I, we had one guy, he was an amazing salesman. I learned a lot from this guy, but he had no idea what he was doing. Mm -hmm. He could sell you anything. And it was just you know, finding common ground and just being friendly. And, and the guy taught me a lot, but he had nothing all his jobs were a mess. Everything was wrong. We had to redo half his stuff. Still getting comebacks from years ago. So we kind of bought his service contract, bought his customer list. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but this guy taught me a lot, you know, all the people in your life, you know, he taught me a lot about sales and how to just communicate with people and how to right. just go out of your way to be friendly to people and learn about them and learn that, you know, where to go on a vacation and learn about that stuff. And it's all part of the sales process. But, um, but we were buying companies and same thing. That started getting carried away, and he, the next thing I was buying a company for a million bucks, and you know <laughs> we got this big giant payment, and again I'm like, 
didn't you learn from the last two? Like, you know, like <laughs> I said, stop, stop. So, you know, all of our trucks basically are paid for in our fleet. You know, we got, a, I don't know, probably 30, 40 trucks in our fleet. Uh -huh. um, and we have an in-house mechanic. And because I'm a car guy, we buy stuff that needs work. And, you, right. know, you know, we've actually moved up to now we're buying like one-year-old trucks just because they get used so much. They, yeah. The break, you know, cost, you know, risk versus reward. The breakdown costs were so much more of losing that uh -huh. guy for the day because the truck broke down. But we own a flatbed tow truck that we bought so that we can pick our trucks up. I have an extra van. So if one of my van dies, my guy runs out with a flatbed tow truck, drops that van off. They switch the tools over and he goes on he the goes next on call the yeah. and the truck comes back to the shop. And that, that's something you it. learn from experience. Yeah, because huh? downtime <laughs> and, you know, and uh, having the in-house mechanic, one, one, we build our toy cars in the process. So when, when, uh -huh. when he's slow, then we play with the hot rods and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. you know, we do all that stuff, um, but allows us to. You know, I have a truck to mechanic. He's yeah, it'd be done next week. I was like, I need a truck tomorrow. He's got calls tomorrow. Like, like, you know, so doing that allowed us to take that out of the equation that we're able to, you know, just keep going, go, go, go. Yeah. And, um, and I don't have to rely on anybody, you know, it's not an outside vendor that I got to rely on. Yeah. It, it makes sense to move stuff in house as and when you can afford to do it. It, yeah, it yeah. really does. Yeah. All right. But, um, but back to, yeah, I'll keep you I, I got to get you back on track. Get me back on track. Get I you told you, you got to reel me in. You got to reel me in. We're good. But so, we, we are running up on our time limit here. And before we hit it though, I want to talk, um, for a few minutes about the stuff you're doing now with the, uh, <laughs> with the morning and the bicycle stuff, because that has just blown up yeah, on social fun. media. That's I see it fun. all over the place. So that's tell us, fun. tell us where that idea came from and tell us what it is you're doing, man. So, um, we, uh, when I joined Apex, uh, MDM was, I think the end of April, I guess, right. It was the last week in uh -huh. April, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um, long story short on that, I know Thomas, I sold this house in New York to come down here. Um, it feels like I've known you a lot longer than yeah, April. I, 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 this, it really does. I mean, yeah, it's what four or five months now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, I've been down here four times already. Who thought I'd never <laughs> been to Texas before in my life. I'm here four times. And, uh, and, you, people yeah. can't see this, but I'll, I will put pictures up after the, uh, after the podcast. Um, and he's going to put his hat on, but Brian has gone. He's bought cowboy boots. He's got <laughs> he a shirt with little pearl snaps on his shirt. He's got a hat on. Listen, and when he in looks, Texas. <laughs> dude, he looks, he looks like the perfect New York cowboy. You've done a great job, mate. <laughs> so sorry. Yes. 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 Uh, Apex. We you, decided to have some fun with that one. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so Thomas uh, moved down here to uh, COO, I guess, yeah, right? COO. Of, uh, yeah. COO of uh, Break Free Academy. And at the time, I'd watched Tom. I know Thomas 20 years. We used to build uh -huh. cars together. Uh, right. I worked in a poultry shop. He had a stereo shop across the street. His partner, Jimmy, did my cars since I was like 17, tinted window stereos. And I used to flip cars. So every six months, I'd rip this whole stereo out and put it in the next car. And, you know, put, put someone back to stock. And it was kind of stupid in the process because, you know, I just... Like, just deal with a stock stereo. But, you know, you had to terrorize the neighborhood, right, with, you know, right, Biggie and sure. stuff, you know, because everyone's going to see you coming. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what we did back in the day. So, um, anyway, so I've known Thomas forever. Uh, stayed in touch through social media. He's done work on, on my trucks at work, the backup cameras, yeah, GPS, yeah. all that type of stuff. So, uh, I watched him doing his change uh, as he was running his business. And we used to talk shop a lot. Um, I actually think, like... It, he used to come up to me for ideas and advice and stuff like that. Right. And then he went in right past me. Like he ran me over like where he's been in life and, yeah. and business and whatnot. I mean, I kind of got into the force of average and kind of, you know, we all hit that point. So I looking back, you know, I was watching him grow and I was just going to work, going through the motions every day and he ran right past me. So he moved down to Texas and he tells me that, uh, you know, I need a corporate attorney. So at the same time, um, one of the guys that works for me, great guy, Brian, his girlfriend, Jessica Dennehy. Yeah. Um, Brian says, you need to meet Jessica. She's like, like you entrepreneur spirit. You guys got to meet. So we met, I don't know. It's probably about a year ago now. Did, I got to interrupt. Jessica is great. 
and she'll be on the show here in a couple of weeks. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're going to love Jessica. You're gonna She's love wonderful. Her. Uh, I met her, and we just we just clicked. It was just like, you know, uh, yes, we we share a brain. You know, right. and a lot of for her, I message her all the time because she puts her posts up in the morning, and I'm like, you in my head right now? Like, you know. <laughs> so uh, she's great. So we started doing some networking circuits back at home. I've always been a big networker, connector, right. all that stuff. So, you know, we got to know each other and like, hit it off. So Tom's like, I need a corporate term. I'm like, you should talk to Jess. So I linked the two of them together. Next thing you know, Jess is flying to, to, to Texas and she's in executives. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, that, that went quick, you know. So Jess is like, you're not part of this? And I'm like, part of what? And this Apex thing. And I'm like, I think that Tom's doing it. Yeah, I don't know anything about it, you know. And I guess, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm just too busy to pay attention to it in my right. own little in my right. own little comfort zone or whatever. And she's like, uh, you should get involved in this. And I'm like. She was right. Yeah, she was right, 100%. Yeah. So she goes, I got an extra ticket to MDM. You're coming. I'm like, what is it, $500 ticket or whatever? I'm like, yeah. all right, I guess I got to do this. I guess I got to. And, I, you know, I've never really traveled by myself. I've never done, uh, you know, I've never done stuff like this. You know, it's like for me to get in a plane and, and just go travel for business. I've never traveled for business. If I right. traveled, it was, you know, with my wife on vacation. It uh -huh. was never just getting a plane by yourself, hotel room by yourself, strange land or strange people. You know, I knew a couple people, but, yeah. you know, not you know, I'm in a foreign country here, you know? <laughs> so uh, I'm a Yankee down South, you know? So, uh, it, uh, it was eye opening. It was eye opening. Um, and I had also done 75 hard. I had a bunch of crap going on in my life. You know, I was 305 pounds. Oh, uh, wow. Um, he's not I, 305 pounds. No, I'm, now. I'm running about 230 right now. Dude, that's amazing. Um, I did not know that. You about know, you. a lot of us, we've talked about this. A lot of us had this issue where you just get stuck. I call it the hamster wheel. You're running in yeah. circles every day. Every day is like groundhog day. Wake up, do the same thing, rinse, repeat, but you're not getting anywhere. Yep. I'm doing all right. You know, listen, you know, uh, you know, I got family, I got kids, I got all this other stuff, but just not loving life, just existing force of average, just being average, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was always someone that excelled, but it just, I mean, Six kids is a lot. It's it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, you know, business is a lot. You know, you're dealing with a lot of stuff, and it just you just get tired. You know, and doing a lot of networking, you're going out, you're drinking a lot because yep. you're out, you're out with clients, you're out with people, you're at the bar, everyone's buying drinks. So, you know, you're eating steak dinners every night. Next thing you know, I'm 305 pounds. I'm fat and drunk. You know, probably seven days a week. You know, <laughs> obviously that caused issues in you know the marriage and all the stuff that we've all dealt with. Um, and so. Uh, last summer, I was in this funk after COVID. I actually pulled down a little bit after COVID. Got down to like uh, probably two seventy something like that. Because mm -hmm. I said I'm not coming out of COVID fat. I finally have time. Yeah, like, that was the gift of time that COVID brought to my life that I've never had. And I said, you know what? We're starting to bike, uh, treadmill, all this stuff. Kind of got you know I, was, I couldn't tie my shoes without getting out of breath. It was crazy. So wow. you know it was bad. So uh, I said, all right, I'm in spring training here. This is COVID time. I got nothing to do. We're gonna train. So yeah. I pulled down to like, I don't know, 270, something like that. And was feeling better, still fat, but still yeah. feeling better. Um, stuff was going over summer. I went back to drinking a lot and you know whatnot. And I was just in this funk, you know, I was in just funky place. And I was selling Tom's house and Tom was doing 75 hard. And I'm like, right, I was like right. I'm like, what's it about? It's not drink for 75 days. I'm like, yeah, screw that. I <laughs> drink for 75 days. You're crazy. You know, and he told me the whole story. But he was eating at me every, every minute. I was like, can I not drink for 75 days? I probably haven't drank for 75 days, like since I'm 16. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, like straight up, right? Like in high school, we used to drink every weekend and whatnot. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, like, I don't know if I could do it. You know, maybe I do have a problem, you know, like, like, like and I'm not going to know until I try. Yes, sir. So we did it. And uh, I called up Tom and I said, uh, send me a what's this about? I need to know more about it. And he gave me the whole rundown. I said, I'm doing it. I said, I need you to hold me accountable. So I put it out on Facebook. Everyone's like, you know, trying to show off whatever. No, that was my accountability partner because I will not fail 
in public. Like, you know, right, right. I put it out there on Facebook and it's, you know, it's in stone. So now you're not going to watch me fail in public. So, yeah. And it wasn't the show off. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was, you're going to watch my journey. Cause if you're not, then I might not do it that day. I may, well, yeah, you know, they do. They hold you accountable, you know, and the whole world was holding me accountable. Yeah. And then as it was going on, I was losing weight and people were watching my mindset change and whatnot. You're like, wow, this is changing you. Mm-hmm. And I've actually brought a bunch of people on a journey with me doing something hard from me doing it publicly. Yeah. Um, yeah. They reach out to you like, dude. It's like, amazing because when, when you put stuff out there like that and, and you, you keep doing it for two or three or four weeks and, and people, will, you'll, you'll start getting messages like, oh, you inspired me. I'm walking yeah. my dog this morning. It's awesome. You know, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. great, man. So I did that. I think I lost 34 pounds in, in 75 days. I was actually down to my lowest weight since high school. 222 I got down to, oh, which wow. I used to wrestle 218 in high school. And then you could go like three pounds over like when the weigh-in. So um, until actually senior year, I went up going 250 because I didn't want to suck weight anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd be on the scale with uh, eating pizza while everyone else like weighing in with like pizza in my hand. The other guys like haven't eaten in three days because they're trying to get down to weight. And they're like, they used to call me Fat Lou because I'd weigh in with like a cheeseburger in my hand. He used to take pictures. I believe it. Yeah. But, uh, I believe it. So it we, we so, ride at dawn. So, so through 75 hard, yeah. uh, gave me this mindset change. Then Jessica says, you're coming to MDM. Mm-hmm. Everyone there has done 75 hard. So you're like, like, well, this is my people. We get it. I mean, yeah. and anyone's done 75 hard, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't look at it, I mean, it's, it's really hard. It, they, should, it, they should call it 75 really, hard. really hard. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard. There's some days there where, I mean, I slept like a baby because I left it all on the, on the, on the field. It was like, my head hit that pillow that night and I'd wake up in the same position, like not rolling over. I mean, and it felt good. It was a good pain because I mean, I'd sleep five hours, but I'd feel like I slept 20 because yeah. it was just, you were completely wiped out. You slept solid for five hours. Boom. You're up, you know? And then you're up and do it again. We're out in the cold, we're out in the snow, doing the whole thing. It's, it's hard. So if you haven't done it, definitely look into it because it definitely changes your life. So then um, on this journey now where my mindset's changed now and I'm kind of, you know, kind of opening to like, all right, what else is here? Like, this is not how I want to live my life, you know, the way I've been living it. I'm tired of this hamster wheel. It's time to start making changes. It's time to start doing something different. The real estate business has taken off. And um, next thing you know, I'm in Texas. Right. And I'm like wow, this is crazy the, 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 what people are doing here. And everyone's got the same story. You know, uh, I went the first night I went to dinner with Mike Claudio. Mike Claudio was over 300 pounds. Yeah. I mean, and he sucked down weight. The guy's an animal. I mean, and, and the, the mindset he's, I, I talk about the story, the first picture of the dinner. Um, I think Brian uh, McKendrick posted it um, not too long ago. We went to the steakhouse. Yeah. I came down with Tom and Jess and like, we're going for steak tonight. And I got invited to the goon squad on a remember, you know, uh-huh. and I got invited to the goon squad dinner and I met everyone. Drewby, same thing, you know, 300 Drew pounds was a big dude yeah you know and they all you know same thing they they were fat and hating life and and you know they decided you hit this wall and it's time we're yeah. making a circle we're doing a full circle making you turn and we're, we're trying this different and i i said it to, on tom podcast the bill came that night mike claudio was ordering like 600 dollars bottles of wine right i'm like i don't realize this i'm like i'm looking at the menu oh, wow that's a 600 dollars bottle he just ordered <laughs> like, holy cow like i'm with some big and you know the um imposter syndrome was huge i'm yeah. in this room and i'm just like overwhelmed by these guys like yeah you know yeah. they're all good dudes and i was just overwhelmed and, and not that they made me feel that way. i just felt very like i didn't belong you know and the bill comes and mike signs a bill and i'm like it's like 20 people it had to be a couple grand in the bill yeah and mike just signs it and i'm like 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 wow like like let me give you money he's like no i got it he goes two years ago started this apex journey he goes and i couldn't afford to eat here you know by myself he goes yep. He goes, what this Apex has done for me, this is nothing. You know, you guys are welcome. I was just like, it was just like, it was my aha moment. I'm like, if this guy two years ago 
is throwing a couple grand around for his friends. One, the mindset of, I like to do that. My friends, we fight over who pays the bill yeah. a lot. You know, like I'll grab the waiter and get my credit card on the way in. So uh -huh. my friend Dan has worked. I mean, I'll call ahead and, and, and have my credit card <laughs> on files when we get there. Cause you know, we all play the game. It's fun. So, uh, so I, I like to do that for, for my friends. And so he did that for this group. He did it for me. He doesn't even know me. I'm like, bro, like that's, he goes, you know, my pleasure type thing. And I was like, my, uh, I'm like, wow, this is real. They're not selling me nothing here. This is just real stuff that's really happening. Yep. So then it was actually kind of neat that, you know, obviously I came in with Tom and Tom's obviously a, a big part of Apex and Jessica's become a big part of Apex and, and they're my people. So I am instantly kind of got thrown into the into the mix i guess it gave me a little bit of credibility with some people so you know it, it does it, it gave does. you know a lot of people gravitated to me and i'm not afraid i'll talk to the wall you know so i'll talk to anybody <laughs> so you know and i've built a lot of great relationships through this and at the end of mdm um tom's like uh you gonna join and i'm like god this is crazy i like you <laughs> know it was uh i don't know it was 12 grand or whatever to join or whatever and Tom's like, uh, you want my discount code? He's like, you know, like one of those deals, like if you buy it today, it's on sale, but don't wait till tomorrow. And I was like, you know what? And uh, it was kind of eating me. And I was like, I got to do this. Like, you know, just like sink or swim. It, 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 we're all in. It's time to yeah. make some change, you know? Yeah, and uh, it's funny. I didn't have a credit card turned on. I had credit cards, but I had frozen more because I didn't, I didn't want tempted to use them. Right, like, cause right. in that process of, you know, losing we didn't even get into my rental properties, but I had a bunch of rental properties and we'll lost have to save that for episode two. That's episode two. So <laughs> in that overhead game, I had tons of overhead. The economy went south. No one was paying the rent. And I lost my shirt on rental properties, paying mortgages and no rent yeah. coming in and whatnot. And that's exactly what happened to Dave Ramsey. The overhead just was the news. So yeah. I'm in my life now where I try not to have any overhead, you know, Absolutely. Like, like every bill I can pay off, I pay off. And mm -hmm. if I can't afford to buy cash, I don't buy it. Cause if times ever get bad, I know that's going to be also, going moving forward to real estate it's not a steady paycheck i mean if you're good yeah. it obviously is but well, yeah. the market can change and you know we all know sometimes i'll go two months and then i'll have eight closings in one month and then mm -hmm. i'll go a month and then i'll have six closings the next month and for some reason you get these gaps yeah. i don't know i don't know why it happens yeah. like that but I, so well, i do but <laughs> yeah i mean yeah but i mean i'll put them in contract every two weeks every two weeks and all of a sudden this one gets delayed and the next thing you know it's yeah. like it just it's seems like the buses, you know you wait forever and then three come along at once yeah it's crazy so in that mindset as i start moving to full-time real estate from you know away from day job uh i don't want the overhead to, to you know if i have a bad month i don't want the big bills i'm trying to keep my bills low i mean it's almost an impossible process with six kids but that was my mindset of just paying off stuff yeah so anyway, so I had to turn my credit card back on in order to pay for, you know, MD, you know, in order to pay for Apex. And uh, I was like, you know what? Called the credit card company on us. Actually, I did it the next day. I went home that night and I thought about it on a plane and I was just like, I got to do this. I got to do this. Like, and uh, I guess it was Monday morning or whatever, Saturday morning, I don't know, whatever it was. I got home and turned the card on and boom, done. We're in. And it was actually uh, a thing with the, uh, with my wife. Um, she's kind of like, what'd you just do? And I'm like, nothing, nothing. Like, <laughs> I was like, um, is it, is yeah, it, is it better to beg forgiveness than ask permission? Well, you know what it was? I didn't want to upset it. Like I knew that if I was kind of like, do I really want to do this? And then I knew if she gave me grief about it, that maybe I wouldn't do it. And yeah. I didn't want to take the opportunity to, I just, it was all in. It's yeah. in, it's in, we're, yes. we're doing this. We're totally doing understand. It. And you know, the feeling that you get when you go to, you know, apex live and it's just like the power and the energy mm -hmm. and the love that's in the room and, and the knowledge. It's just, you know, it's amazing. So, we jumped in and uh, joined Entrepreneurs, and I've been here, I think it's twice now for Entrepreneurs. It's the fourth time now for live. 
Uh, we met uh, last time. We got to share some cigars and a yeah, lot of stories, and yeah. we actually got to coach uh, a random uh, HVAC contractor. <laughs> Poor and, guy, I felt uh, bad for that guy. Are you kidding me? He got a couple he, thousand dollars worth thousand, of coaching there. We're like, look, here's where you're going wrong. <laughs> We, we laid them all out. Yeah, we, we, we lit them up for probably at least over an hour. Dude, Paul got only wanted was a freaking cigar. Yeah, but he walked over there like with his head spinning. Like, and like I said, I, I think we probably did change his life. I mean, you know, me being in, in HVAC and obviously yeah. your business background and stuff. I mean, it, uh, you know, we gave him all ideas on what to do and, you know, how to handle the manpower. And that we, was, we talked about a lot of stuff. It was fun. That was, was good. Fun. Dude, we got to start wrapping yeah. this thing yeah, up, yeah, man. Yeah. We're, we're way, we'll way, way over so, so we got to jump back in the weeds. We got to figure yeah. out. Yes. You got to reel before, me in, man. Before, I am. I'm just yeah. uh, keeping it on track. It's been a good conversation. It's been a great, <laughs> great good, show, good, this one. But I want to talk about We Ride at Dawn because you came down to Apex. You got inspired to change some shit up. You got inspired to get out on social media and really take a leap of faith into being who you are. Tell us about We Ride at Dawn. So obviously, you know, Apex teaches you, be, you know, be, um, be authentic. Be authentic be on, on social media, mm-hmm. you know, um, be intentional. Yes. On social media. Uh, you know, I was on social media a lot, just messing around. You know, I just like to do it. Uh, I realized, I realized with real estate that it, yeah. it, it worked well. I go live from my houses, you know, and I show it. Uh, I, I do tours. And that was kind of a new thing four years ago when I started doing it. Go, I'd go to an open house. I'd go live on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, this is where I am today. Yep. Check it out. There's the kitchen. There's the bathroom. Yep. And when I first started doing it, I thought it was kind of cheesy. And people, I was, it was getting reached. People were like, oh, I love your video. I got to see the yeah. house. And, you know. I did the exact so same thing. So then I started running with it. No yep. one was doing it at the time. Now everyone does it, but. And uh, so when I came here, I'm like, I'm already big into social media, but I'm not super intentional with it, you know. And I watched all these guys get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to the gym, and I'll never get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to the gym. I hate lifting stuff up and putting it down, um, <laughs> you know. But I like to ride my bike, and yeah. I like to um, – It's to each his own. It's, it's As long yeah. as you're getting some form of exercise. Uh, so right? I was like, you know, I could do this. So 75 hard, I rode my bike a lot. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, let's just start riding in the morning. So I started getting up at 6 a.m. to ride. And then it became a thing with a couple of friends. Um, I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to ride tomorrow at 6 a.m. You want to join me? And people started showing up at 6 a.m. in my driveway. And, you know, then I started, you know, posting on social media. Well, we just went for a bike ride and this yeah. and that. And then um, I did it for after MDM. I was doing it a couple times a week, whatever. Yeah. And then it became this thing like, hey, we riding tomorrow? And I'm like, we ride at dawn, you know? <laughs> well, it's actually, we ride at dawn, bitches, with the big bird. You ever seen that meme, you know? No, there's, but... There's a meme. If you Google it, it's a picture of big bird, like, you know, ride a bike, whatever. And we'll it's find like, it. we ride at dawn, bitches, you know? So I made the G-rated version of it. We ride at dawn. And uh, it became this funny thing. I'm, hell yeah, we're riding tomorrow. We ride at dawn every day, all day, you know? So uh, Mike Claudio came along. And obviously, he's he's become a big influencer in my life. I watch uh-huh. his stuff a lot. And he... Um, where he got it from um but basically said if you go 300 go live 365 days in a row be consistent that your social media following will grow and oh absolutely on top of that um one of my favorite sayings is the reason mtv doesn't show music videos it's a reality show now because people want to see reality shows so uh, yeah i run my social media like it's my reality show you know we have fun if you look you know there's very little real estate on my on my social mm-hmm. media because you know what house are boring you know unless it's a crazy house then i'll well, yeah, share it but you, you you want show 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 yeah. commercial yeah show, show, yeah, show. yeah. So this is, this is me. This is what I'm doing. This is, you know, me and Sam having a cigar. This is, you know, this is me having a martini. This is me at the beach. This is me, whatever. And then boom, I got to open houses. We can, here's a house. And then, and it works, you know, because people like to tune in and I get feedback and I I enjoy the feedback. I enjoy the comments. I enjoy interacting with people. And so uh, I was like, you know what? I got an opportunity here. Mike was going live at night. I said, Mike, I'm going to take the morning shift. I'm going to go live in the morning (laughs) for my bike ride. 
So we ride down to the water every morning. I usually go to a lake or we're five miles from the bay or 10 miles from the ocean in Long Island. We're blessed mm-hmm. to have, and we also have this big uh, state park with a lake on it, yeah. like five miles the other direction. So within five miles, I find water. So I find the sun over the water, reflections in the morning, in the morning light, and I go live. And uh, What do you talk about generally? So I kind of was just kind of going live for fun, just like whatever. And I say, you know what, let, let me, let me put some purpose in this. Let me, let me start, you know, I listen to podcasts like most of us and, right. you know, I'll turn it on in the morning when I get up and I'll have it in, you know, as I'm riding and I'm listening. And a lot of times the podcast, the messages will, will line up, whether it's, you know, God doing that or it's uh, mm-hmm. just, you know, it just happens, but like, they'll talk about whatever. And that message, that podcast is talking about that podcast. It's in my head now. That's what I need to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of just pops. I shoot from the hip. It's not re- not rehearsed. It's it's real. It's raw. Um, you know, I stumble over my words a lot. Sometimes I'm half asleep. <laughs> you know, whatever. And I started doing it with that. Um, one of the priests from my town, Father Eugene. He's from Nigeria. Um, Catholic priest came here. Um, I met him. We do. Uh, we've been Christmas trees at a homeless shelter at Christmas every year, and then we'd sing Christmas carols and all that stuff. And he came along, and I met him through that, and followed each other on Facebook. And he goes, "I like what you're doing. I want to ride with you. I want to get some exercise." He's there like, "You go." He's like, "But I don't have a bike." I was like, "Well, you're in luck. <laughs> I have six kids. I got bikes everywhere." So he rides my daughter's bike. Just trip over him. As yeah, you yeah. Through the so, uh, yeah. so he started riding with me, and then we said, "Well, you know, we got to do prayers in the morning now. We're riding with the priest." So, um, so we started a prayer session. So now I do a, a, a positive message, whatever happens to pop in my head, um, anything and everything. Um, and then we do prayers and then we go on our way and I do it, uh, you know, six thirty, six forty, depending on how long it takes to get to yeah. the water. And now that's kind of become a movement. So, um, I was doing it on and off a little bit up until, actually I was doing it pretty good up until Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day uh-huh. weekend. I was out in the Hampton. It was cold. It was raining. It was like a nasty weekend. And I just drinking a lot, you know, like, you know, we keep getting this problem. And, uh, woke up, felt like crap and it's cold and nasty and I just didn't ride. And then I just like, I just broke my streak. Like, what are you doing? You're an idiot, you know? So I said, you know what? I'm committing to it live on Facebook. I'm going to ride for 365 days in a row, every morning at 6 a.m., at least 10 miles, like 75 hard. I got my 365 hard going. Yeah. And in that process now, we're 66 days in, and I have all kinds of people showing up my driveway. The other day, this guy, Paul, showed up. Um, We met him at the park riding his bike and started talking. Again, intentional, just happened to start talking. What are you about? I told him about the journey. 6 a.m. He's standing in front of my house. <laughs> I'm like, they're like, who's this guy? And I'm like, oh, I met him at the park two weeks ago. Like, it's fun, right? I go Dude, around town awesome. now and people are like, oh, you're the Ride of Dawn guy. People are taking pictures with me. Like, oh, I'm taking a picture of the Ride of Dawn yeah. guy. And now through Apex, it's um, Josh Luther's in Florida. He's riding. You're going to be riding soon. I am. I'm going to um, gonna have to dust off the old uh, bicycle. Taylor uh, Feimeister, water bike, took a picture yep. of it, said, I'm going to ride. I got people texting me in the morning saying, I'm out running today because of your message. I'm out doing this. I, you know, I got out of bed and I get all kinds of DMs and stuff thanking me for what I'm doing and whatnot. It's really become a movement now. That's like great, It's dude. like, so um, I... I don't know. Now I feel like committed to it. Now I feel like I'm on this mission now and can't I, stop you know, now. I can't stop now and I'm touching people's lives. And, but that's all in you know, under, that's all in under, well, just over two months. I was going to say under yeah, three months, but it's yeah, not yeah. under three. It's just yeah, over two yeah. months. The idea kind of started by accident and now mm-hmm. it's, it's two months straight. Um, and then, you know, so we talk about apex mindset, right? So a lot of us, there's a term I like to say, uh, um, relationships over um, transactions. Absolutely. Right. So a lot of us concentrate on trying to make the most money and this and that and whatnot. When you stop looking at the money, you just help people, genuinely help people and generally do the right thing and put positive energy out to the world. God gives it back to you. You know, couldn't agree more. So I kind of stopped, 
you know, not that I stopped concentrating on my business, but I stopped like just really chasing the money mm-hmm. and I'm just, just having fun with life. Yeah. You know, we're having fun. Meeting it's, a ton it's of people. It's attracting people. It's attracting business. It's and attracting. then the business comes like yeah. uh, last time I came back from, uh, um, our, our entrepreneur flying, I got three phone calls. Actually, no, four. I did four houses in four days right after, Look like that, that week. And it just, people call me up. I, I, I'm selling my house. I'm selling my house. I'm buying a house. There's, I did four deals in a row. Like, like, like just, and I'm like, what happened? But it's the, the positive mindset you have, the positive energy you're putting out in the world. It gives it back to you. So now we're on this journey. Uh, I'm writing a book with Hillary. Um, and now I had a slightly different direction I was going on a book. And Hillary, we had a conversation the other day. She's awesome, by the way. And she said, uh, this is your book. Your book is going to be about your journey. And I'm like, you know what? It feels right. There it just go. feels right. So uh, so the book is in play, and the journey will be coming out, and about all the experiences. And yeah, I have another this. friend that's an author. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get you going. We're going to get you going. <laughs> Dude, and mine is mine is coming. Mine is coming. It's, yeah. uh, it's a fun experience. And we talked about like 0.0001% of the world or whatever has written a book. And you know what? Um, I shared a post this morning. We saw it on Facebook about basically, uh, you know, leaving a legacy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what are you putting out in the world um, that's going to outlive you? When you die, what else is going to outlive you? And it's like, you know, all right, my messages are out there. It's in video. Eh, that'll live a little bit. A book. You know, yeah. I, I'm putting a book out there that, you know, my kids will be reading. My grandkids can read. It's, uh, you know. That's the whole point. Though, it's like, it? you know, leave the legacy. What are you doing to leave a legacy? What are you doing not to be average? Mm-hmm. You know, and what are you doing to change the world? Because it's up to us to change the world. I mean, you know. The world is full of a bunch of average people. Dude, I love it. Right? I mean, it's so it's up to us. You know, they said it yesterday. Uh, you know, every day, uh, what are you doing to to leave an impact on the world? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in life and business or whatever, what are you doing that that day that you went out of your way to change the world, to change to to change your business, to change your mindset, to change your friends? And yet, it's so simple as getting up every morning and riding a bike. Yeah. So unbelievable. Every day is a new gift. Every day the sun rises again. If the, yesterday went sideways, we get the gift of a new day to start over. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of become <laughs> like Nike just do it. And like, you know, yep. we ride at dawn every day. Yesterday could have been the worst day in the world. And you know what? The sun comes up today and we ride at dawn. And I that's love the it. message. That's the message. It's becoming a movement and it, and it, it's fun. Well, We're Brian, really enjoying it. My friend, as we wrap this up real quick, man, I got two more questions for you. And um, I know we're a little bit over on time. <laughs> So right. I told you, we kept it under two hours. We're good. <laughs> First question. Um, I do this to a lot of my guests is that if you could talk to 20 year old Brian right now, what's one piece of advice you'd give him? Uh, find apex or apex like people because you are who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. Um, you'd never want to be the smartest person in the room. I, 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 you know, that, uh, imposter syndrome is actually a good thing because that means you're surrounded by people that are bigger than you. And that can teach you things. Um, basically plug in, um, be intentional in life. Don't just exist. Um, a lot of days we get up and you know, I always say, everyone, thank God it's Friday. You know what? If you're, <laughs> if you're existing all week long to get yes. to Friday, you wasted a whole week. You should get up every day and say, thank God it's today. Let's get some stuff done. Amen. You know, people go on vacation, they plan a vacation a month out and they literally exist for a month straight. Like, oh, I can't wait, vacation in a week, vacation in three days, you know, and you see them on, online and, oh, I'm going yeah. to Disney in, in four weeks, I'm going to Disney in three weeks, and then they have their vacation, they come back to all depressed because they were living for the vacation, now it's over. Now, like, we got to learn to live every every day, like, like to the fullest, enjoy every day, enjoy the people in our lives. 
um, and just surround yourself with greatness and learn from that greatness and, and be intentional with everything you do. Don't just don't just flow through life. Don't get in that hamster wheel. Don't let that happen to you. And it happens to a lot of us. It happens really. to all of us, you man. Know, you just every day you just hate life because it's just not fun anymore. It's yep. just you know. So uh, so that's definite. And then uh, the other part is um, debt. Debt. Stay out of debt. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're all stupid. We all want the fancy car. We're all going to make these giant payments. We all want the big house. We're going to make take a mortgage. That's more than we can do. Um, Obviously, if you're buying a rental property and a cash flow and stuff, that's good debt, you know, yeah. that stuff. But even then, like... Still risky. You know, it's still risky. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned a lot about rental properties. Like I said, it only costs a million dollars to get a million dollar education. I, I had... I love that. Segment. I had like 35 doors at one point and a bunch down in North Carolina. I owned the trailer park. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about like craziness. I mean, I bought a trailer park that needed like to be rehabbed and I kind of flipped the trailer park, but it was... It was, what's another story but um but when the time came if i would own all these properties cash i wouldn't have any issues exactly but because i had leverage so i leveraged on top of leverage on top of leverage it was a house of cards and when the economy stopped and people stopped paying and i was eviction after eviction i couldn't get them rented and it was just a nightmare and i'm coming out of pocket you know i was short selling stuff i mean like it's like just the money just dried up and um if i didn't have you know dave ramsey talks about buying rental properties in cash yeah. I don't know if I believe 100% in that, but I, I you know, because you're limited, you know, you're limited in what you can buy. But just make sure that you're buying, you're buying them right. You buy your rental properties at a, at a cash flowing mm-hmm. rate. And um, and then the, the bills aren't going to strangle you. Just make sure to cover your ass. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And All right. I got one more question for you and then we'll get you out of here, buddy. Um, for those of the people that are listening and for those guys that have enjoyed it, where can we find you on the internet? So uh, Instagram at Brian Lewis Realtor, B-R-I-A-N-L-E-W-I-S Realtor. Um, that's Instagram, Facebook, I'm Brian Lewis Jr. Um, you'll see me a picture of my face with an EXP logo on it right now. I, I prefer to, to call it. you the, the Brian Lewis Evolution. Evolution, yeah. So I, we, we laughed. Uh, everyone calls my dad uh, the original back at town. So I'm Brian Lewis, and he's Brian Lewis the original. Uh, it's like original Coke and the new Coke or whatever, right? So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so... Um, you can find me there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on I'm pretty much everywhere. If you Google Brian Lewis Realtor, there's another Brian Lewis in Manhattan um, that sells like ridiculous millions of dollars of real estate, which one day maybe I'll be him. But, uh, you should go get those union guys yeah. after him. Yeah, yeah sure get the other guys Brian after Lewis. him. Yeah, I'm the real Brian Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, he kills it in Manhattan. But um, Google Brian Lewis Realtor, Long Island, New York. Uh, my office is out of Valley we'll, Stream, and, and it all pops up. We'll put it there. in the show notes for you. Yeah, mate. yeah, yeah. And then please um, friend me on Facebook, follow me on Facebook, because I do my journey somewhere between 630, 640-ish, depending on how far we ride um, every that hashtag, morning. that hashtag is We Ride at Dawn, right? We Ride at Dawn, yeah. 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 And then We Ride at Dawn 365 Live, um, and we do the message every morning. So uh, it's actually fun. I got friends... I got people friending me saying, my friend said, I need to follow you. Like, cause you do this message every day. It's fun. And I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. And then, uh, like I said, uh, follow me. And, uh, again, jump in my comments, uh, direct message me. If you got any questions, I tell everyone, listen, we're all on this ride together. I love to help people. Um, again, I do some coaching and whatnot. So if there's anything you have in your life, whether it's business or just personal relationships, I could tell you how to not have a marriage. And I'm sure you can too. <laughs> uh, I, I could tell you a lot of stuff about life. So, and you know, listen, no, no judgment, no harm, no foul. Like just lean on me. Like I'm happy to be here for you and I'm happy to support people in my life. So if something I've said touched you, you have more questions about it, find me online, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to you and, and guide you in any way I can. Well, you heard it here first, guys. Go and get a hold of Brian. Go and follow along his journey and uh, check out that hashtag, We Ride at Dawn. Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in here, mate. And uh, the last few months getting to know you have been, uh, Definitely, man. Definitely. been, been really great. Um, 
Guys, go follow his stuff. We will put the uh, links there in the show notes. Brian, again, thank you for being on the show. And a huge thanks to the guys at Break Free Academy and Ryan Stuman for letting us record this up in his studio this week. So I'm feeling, uh, feeling very, very happy about that. All right, guys, you'll be good. Stay safe. Have a great week. And I will see you on Friday for this week's episode of Friday Fire. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you like what you heard, do me a favor and share the show. Take care. God bless. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.